Broadcasting around the world, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is Carers World Radio with Patricia Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Carers World Radio for December 2011. In this month's programme, we'll be telling you about Carers Rights Day, which falls on December the 2nd, and how carers still need to fight for their rights in the current economic environment. We'll also be telling you about the results of two very important surveys, which is hoped will be used to make the lives of carers better. One explains how caring affects the health of carers, and another which explains how carers are using the internet and how it can be made even better. All that and much, much more. December the 2nd sees Carers' Rights Day. As families and individuals struggle in this current economic climate, it becomes even more important for carers to remember their rights. All this on the back of some troubling information about carers' financial choices and the consequences. So to tell us more is Steve McIntosh, Policy and Public Affairs Managers for Carers UK. Um, Steve, Carers' Rights Day um, is something that um, I, I always think is... is, is a, you know, just an an amazing way of getting people to understand what the issues are for carers. And obviously we have carers' rights um, implemented uh, in law, but still things are sadly not always working out for um, a lot of the carers out there. Uh, Tell us about this rather shocking new research, which has been conducted with over 4,000 carers. So the sample size is sturdy enough for us to be worried about the results. Exactly. I mean, Carers UK conducted this survey with those 4,000 carers looking at all aspects of their life, but some of the most shocking statistics around carers' finances. We found that substantial numbers, around 30%, are cutting back on heating or food to make ends meet. And many of them are telling us that they're making that terrible choice between whether they keep the heating on, keep their family warm, or having to cut back on food. Uh, And just to make ends meet, many are turning to credit cards, to loans, uh, with around four in ten in debt. Um, And the product of this is not only that they are really struggling to make ends meet and uh, as a result of giving up work to care and the high cost of disability, but that carers are ending up sick with worry. Um, 47% of carers surveyed said the stress of money worries was affecting their own health uh, alongside all those other stresses of caring. I mean, it's it's it is slightly worrying, and I'm, I mean, slightly worrying is an understatement. I, I don't even like hearing myself saying all oh, this is slightly worrying because I'm I'm sounding like sort of a, a rather disimpassionate politician. Um, uh, but but it, it's it's exceedingly troubling because I don't like to think about where this is going to end. Um, the whole point of some of the, the you know the rights that were were gained for carers was on the basis that they shouldn't have to suffer for actually saving the government and the country a huge amount of money, let alone the emotional stress that they have. And yet, I mean, is it my imagination or are we sort of slightly going, this, this results suggest that we're kind of going backwards to an extent? Well, yeah, and that's, that's a real worry. I think there's two things. I mean, the way in which the difficult financial climate at the moment is in some ways hitting families with caring responsibilities and affected with disabilities harder Things like a rise in VAT mean that lots of products which carers buy regularly, washing powder, bed sheets, even incontinence pads, the rise in VAT has hit carers really hard. Benefits are being increased with inflation at a much slower rate. And we have the real worry of changes, big changes to disability benefits, 
seeing big reductions in the amount of people who are likely to get disability benefits and all the knock-on consequences that might have for carers. I think it's an incredibly difficult time for people because of both the financial climate but also the cuts being made to social care services and soon to benefits. So I think on Carers' Rights Day, we've got 700 local groups out there making sure carers can claim everything they're entitled to because we still know that carers aren't being given the information they need. Whilst those benefits are low level, whilst the support from social care isn't enough, many people simply don't realise they have rights as carers. And that's why we run Carers' Rights Day, to make sure people are getting all the support they can. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is this double sort of double whammy, isn't it? The fact that the economy is so bad for everybody, and yet because of the situation, the economy is also... Um, kind of, if you like, at the heart of a lot of the disability benefits being diminished. My 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 big concern is that because of the economy as well, there are lots of, you know, people at the end of the phone when, when carers are talking to people, especially sort of people that are new in the system. And this is where I think there's a, you know, we, we're getting a lot of angry uh, veteran carers, if you like, people that have been doing this for, for many, many years. If you like, my concern is those people that are coming into the system now who who don't know really what their rights are, don't, haven't kind of got the, into the habit of, of, of knowing how to write, ask the right questions. Um, and so what would you sort of say to them if any of them are listening, listening now? Well, I think you're right. I think um, whilst we know it often takes a few years for people to realise they're a carer and access support, eventually many carers tell Carers UK they end up as fighters, people who know how to get around the bureaucracy and the challenges that often people put in the way of them before they can access support. But it takes a while to, to sort of build that resolve. And I think it's the real risk. I mean, we know that 2 million people start caring every year. But these people, when they uh, are met with a benefit system which is supporting fewer people, with a social care system which is seeing huge cuts, that they're not going to know what to do. Um, and with more people falling out of work, with an ageing population, we're going to see more people caring. I think you're right. There's a real risk when we see a new generation of carers who are having an even more difficult time than existing carers. And unless they get the advice and information they need, they're really, really going to struggle. I mean, is it... I, I, I don't really want to... to one can't um, uh, be generalised too much about this, but, but, but just for those, those listeners that are perhaps new, or, or just to remind the listeners who are, who are kind of like just getting a little uh, weary of, of, of the current situation, it's Carers' Rights Day. I mean, carers have a right to, to certain services, to have access to information and to have certain help at hand. I mean, what's the general gist of this Carers' Rights Day in 2011, Steve? We're going sort of back to basics, really. It's about money matters. It's saying that although it's limited, there is financial support from the benefit system. Uh, carers' allowance uh, isn't being changed in itself as a result of changes to the, the wider welfare system. So that if you've given up work to care uh, or you're only working a few hours alongside care and you really ought to check whether you can get carer's allowance, but you might also have rights to a council tax discount or other financial support. And it's also vital you make sure that the person you're caring for is getting all the disability benefits they can. So it's guiding people to expert advice and information because the only way you can be absolutely sure you're getting your entitlements is to have a proper benefits check, whether that's using Carers UK's website phoning our advice line or speaking to someone like Citizens Advice or another disability or age charity who have expert advisors. 
because it's making sure that all your entitlements across practical support, which you never know might be able to help you juggle working care, to that financial support, um, or to special grants from other charities or support from a carer support group, checking you're getting the whole range so that every bit of support available that you're entitled to, you're getting your hands on. Absolutely. I mean, I have to say just, I mean, and the reason that this is particularly pertinent for me and, 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 and some of our listeners will have heard my voice perhaps a bit too much over the last few years. Um, but I, I know what carers rights are. I know how the system is supposed to work, but it wasn't until my, because of my mother's aging issues and becoming diagnosed with Alzheimer's that I myself and my family got involved in what the real issues are of being in a caring situation and my advice now for carers would be actually to follow up with carers uk check on your website what your rights are i mean this is carers rights day maybe it's quite a good idea to call to action here for our carers to actually go back go on to carers uk website check what your rights are and and not to be put off by somebody on the phone who doesn't really want to feel that they can give you that service yet because there's so much drain on the system it's like it is your right to have have those what, what i've been struck by is the amount of misinformation that is out there currently because of of people at the other end of the phone or the services available not really being sure what's happening because of the economic situation that, that that's kind of um, uh, blanketing the country um, and so that's really good for you to sort of like say that again to remind us that that information is available on the website that there is the helpline um, and that that sadly people do have to kind of still fight for their rights that's right um, and we hear every day from carers who are told oh don't bother claiming this don't bother getting a carers assessment you won't get anything and it's actually when people do put in a claim, maybe for a benefit, even if they don't get that benefit, that they should be given advice and information about other support. Even if people are in a council area where the council aren't providing a huge care package, when they have a carer's assessment, that carer's assessment should tell them where else they can get support. So whilst we shouldn't have to say it, I think our message to carers is do fight for your rights. Even if you get put off the first time, do keep trying. Contact advocacy services in your area, people who can speak up for you and your family. And, and fight for additional support and contact the different charities and disability organizations because they'll know the systems and they'll know how to make sure you do get every bit of support you're entitled to. Now, a little while ago, some of you may have been asked to take part in a survey about carers. It was called the Carers Health Survey, and the results are out, and they're very interesting. And to tell us more about what the survey aimed to achieve, what the findings were, and how it can help you, the carer, is Debbie Hustings, Partnership Manager with NHS Surrey. Um, now, I know you've been very involved with this Carers Health Survey. Um, the findings are absolutely um, well, I was going to say amazing, but maybe they're not that amazing. There seems to be sort of like a lot of grey areas and what people think is happening in terms of how uh, they're being processed through the system. But before we get on to the actual findings, what actually brought the survey about, Debbie? I, I think with the um, health survey, it was quite interestingly, interesting because there had been so much work done on the social care needs of uh, carers, but very little on the health care needs. And that wasn't just locally here in Surrey, but that was right across the, the nation. 
And when we decided to present this idea of looking at a health survey, what our aim was was to really get a profile of how um, caring impacts on, on, on carers, on their, their health, because the focus is always on the cared-for person. And, and we joined together with the partnership um, with us, Action for Carers Surrey, Surrey County Council, and we put together um, a health survey based on some of the national models, but also we, we, we developed some new questions so that we could look at sort of primary health care issues, including things like how many times carers miss routine health check appointments, things like going to the dentist and things like that. So um, we weren't expecting anything like the return that we, we got. Um, we actually mailed out about 6,000 surveys, but we had a tremendous response, about 2,000 in, in total. And, um, Which is as actually write, a significant sample size, isn't it? I mean, you can get a real statistical significance from that, from that level yeah. of response. Yes, yes, Patricia, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is really robust data that we've got here. And as I say, it is exciting because some, some of the, the findings do reflect the national profile and, and there's no question that they reinforce the fact that caring does impact on carers' health. But what we also find was, was some emerging themes there around what services that, that we, we lacked in, in our, our community, particularly around counselling services and future planning services for parent carers. So we, we, got a, we got a feel for some other areas that haven't been explored nationally. And what do you think, I mean, the thing that I looked at, just looking at a very bold sort of like look at, look at of the statistics, what I noticed was there was a, you know, there was a good age range in terms of the yeah. amount of sort of people that were carrying them, and probably what you'd expect in terms of male-female um, yeah. uh, split, i.e. that there was a bias towards women. But what surprised me was that, for example, are you aware if you've had a carer's assessment? And there was a lot of people that weren't really sure whether they'd had a carer's assessment, for example. Um, and when having your carer's needs assessment, were you asked about your own health needs? And, and again, as many people saying, nearly as many people saying not sure as yes. Uh, so there seems mm. to be a lot of vagaries in the kind of questions that carers are being asked about themselves. Yes, um, Patricia, you're absolutely right. I mean, the findings have reinforced what we already knew, that, that people are confused about whether they've had a carer's assessment. Um, in the same way, we had some interesting findings about whether carers were registered with their GP. Uh, for example, 45% said they hadn't registered with their GP, and yet over 65% had had a conversation with their GP about caring. So there was this gap that we, we were experiencing in the day that suggests that, um, you know, there were many who were falling through the loop. And I think what, what a lot of this is, is around is that GPs are not sure about what services are available out there, um, where they can refer carers to to get more support. And we've got lots of plans to actually improve the information and advice and the training we give to health practitioners so that they feel more confident in identifying carers, recognizing carers, and in many cases, referring them on to appropriate services. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, looking at the age um, profile, um, the vast majority of people who completed the service were of working age. But the largest group that they were looking after were, were um, 75 to 84 year age age bracket. So um, the, being cared for was being uh, was older. 
Um, and I, I think it'd be worth mentioning here, Patricia, the fact that what we found really astonishing was that 60% of that two, those 2,000 who completed the form were caring over 50 hours a week. Which yes, is that was huge. quite shocking, wasn't it? That it seemed to be, it's, it was not, I can't say it was an all or nothing, but it was heavily slanted towards a, a yeah. huge amount of care. Yeah, and we, we know that national research has, has actually said that anyone caring over 50% uh, 50 hours a week is 80% more likely to suffer ill health. And um, that shows that we've got a significant percentage of carers out there in, in ill health and not receiving the preventative, the early intervention stuff that actually will stop them really going into crisis. And we know if we don't look after the carer, we end up looking for the cared for person themselves. So this is very significant information for our health um, uh, colleagues and, and the people who commission services because it, it really reinforces the message that look after your patient, but please look after your carer too. They are a package. Absolutely. And it may not seem appropriate in a meeting where you are discussing the needs of the person being taken care of, but there has to be a system in place to acknowledge them and make sure that, that their needs will be met maybe at a later date or, 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 or afterwards. Um, yes. And again, you know, I, I don't think it's changed too much since this first, uh, I was first looking at statistics about what health symptoms carers experience. But, I mean, it really is just kind of in black and white now that, that uh, looking at the statistics again, the vast percentage of, of, of obvious, tangible concern is the amount of anxiety and stress and tiredness and exhaustion. But obviously with that goes back pain, obviously for those who might actually be helping, you know, somebody who's got a physical condition and they might have to do a lot of lifting or carrying. Um, and that there's some blood pressure. I mean, a lot of things just going tied hand in hand with anxiety and stress and tiredness and exhaustion which may not seem like tangible, actual uh, illnesses, in inverted commas, but they, but they long-term affect the well-being of the carer. That, that, that's right, Patricia. I mean, what, what we found looking at the health prover, profile overall was that almost 100% of carers who completed the survey said they had an identified health condition. And out of that, 35% said that condition has worsened as a direct result of their caring role. So that is a significant number. And I think um, one of the other areas that we, we have to consider is their opportunity to go and uh, attend routine appointments themselves so they can have their own needs looked after. It's so important that carers identify themselves to their health practitioners as carers because they may be presenting with regular back care back pain or something and it might be being missed by the practitioners that they may be doing moving and handling at home and and what we're hoping to do as part of this it's not only about raising awareness with um, professional staff to to identify carers but it is trying to get carers to be more um, proactive about talking um, about their caring roles with health practitioners so that we can get the right services to them and so I, I think you're right. There are lots of services out there. And what we need to do is fast track carers to those services before they fall into crisis. Uh, when, when we were reading the, the surveys this summer, nearly every single carer had written um, that they were tired, stressed and anxious which yeah. is very worrying. And, and the other area that we really picked up on was 
the, the issues around disturbed sleep patterns and sleep deprivation um, and the, the, also the, the mental health issues of being um, uh, caused by loneliness and, and lack of support. So there's a lot of areas there that we're going to have to look at and, and, and the proposal is that what we're going to do is having now looked at the data and, and got some preliminary results, we, we're going to do up a report uh, which will include an action plan what can this survey actually do in the future? I mean, how does these statistics sort of give more power to your elbow, Debbie? Yeah, they're going to give us significant power to the elbow, actually, Patricia, around, particularly around commissioning health services for carers. I think the first area that we're, we're really keen to, to promote is respite care for carers. This is the one overall message that we've got from the carers from the health survey, that they need more breaks and we need to provide the funding and the access to those breaks. And we, we're here in Surrey and we're going to be introducing... Um, um, in November, uh, a GP short breaks pilot where GPs will be able to directly refer carers for short breaks. And this is part of the whole national carer strategy funding. Um, and we will be putting in 1.3 million for GPs to provide short breaks on an annual program. So that's really exciting and it will make a, a real difference for carers. We've got some other things that we're taking account of. The, the areas where um, carers specifically identified as something that w would really help them, and one of those was around having health checks. They, they often referred to them as MOTs in, in the surveys, and we're looking at piloting carers' health checks in some of our GP surgeries so we can get a, an idea of, of how it works and how it should work. And then we'll hopefully roll out something again across all our surgeries in Surrey. Oh, um, there, is, there, is, there is so much that, that, that could be done, but I, know, I just know from a, from, from a personal sort of, from my own family, that respite care is the one thing that can really, really help. So that will be great. Uh, we'd love to have you back on the program sometime, actually, in terms of seeing what this will lead to ultimately down the line. So it would be great to talk to you at a later date in terms of, you know, using this as a nucleus to see where it, where it leads us to. So that, so that in the future, more and more carers will take part in the survey so we get even more robust data. So, But for now, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. Our regular listeners may remember a few months ago we spoke to Gigi Bergdorf, who was conducting a survey for the Princess Royal Trust for Carers and Crossroads Care on how can the web support carers. Well, she's back and ready to tell us about the findings. And you can look at them, too, online via the link on our website. But first, to tell us more is Gigi Bergdorf. Uh, Gigi, thanks for talking to us. I know we, we spoke to you some months ago with regard to um, you actually getting people to take part in the survey. You, you had a, a substantial um, a sample size in the end. Uh, what was for you the overriding um, theme of the results that you got back from the survey of how can the web support carers? Well, I think uh, the main thing for me, one of the main messages really was actually how important the whole process of consulting with carers is. I mean, I, I sort of thought I knew the answer, what the answer to some questions would be, and I was quite surprised how... Um, opinion was split or there were you know not not just a clear you know some people like email some people don't kind of thing but 
it seems that because every carer's story and experience is different, obviously their preferences are different. So really, I think one of the real main things that came out of the research was the fact that if anyone's thinking of starting a carer's website or um, developing an existing website, that they really need to speak to the people who are going to be their potential users and find out from them what, what it is they're actually looking for and what they, what they like and dislike. And there was, there's a whole, there seemed to me a plethora of different reasons and it didn't really boil down to sort of whimsical personal choice. There seemed to be some very sub, sort of uh, understandable and, and, and substantial practical reasons for people preferring one, one system over another or feeling that, for example, there was some backup, somebody to talk to or all the different sort of little nuances. I, I was intrigued by, if you like, the intelligence that was behind those reasons. Yes, that that was exactly it. And what um, was really interesting about uh, actually doing the research, we did some focus groups as well as the survey. And um, things like the possibility of offering um, emotional support by email. And I thought some people would say, I like, I like email. Other people would say, I don't like email. And that would be how it kind of divided about between people who are against it and for it. But actually, it's it more things like um, one woman said that actually she gets a call every week from a support worker, uh, but it really wasn't um, of great use to her because the person she cares for is in the next room and can hear everything she's saying. And she said she really actually would prefer the email support because she could write, you know, she could type everything she was thinking without worrying about protecting um, the feelings of other people. And then at the same time, um, someone else uh, said, well, actually, you know, I have lots of things I need to do in a day. And whilst I'm talking on the phone, I can be folding my washing or um, cooking the tea. And so actually, email support isn't really useful for me. And and obviously, lots of other reasons around why some people um, don't use a computer or aren't able to... Um, it's much easier for them to speak on the phone, but it really did, you know, things were really divided, as you say, on a practical, a really practical level. Um, there were reasons for and against pretty much every type of online service. Yes. I mean, that's, and that's what I found so fascinating that sort of like one size fits all does certainly does not work in this environment. Um, also the nature of overlap. I, and I thought that was interesting because I, I myself has, have seen that and just wondered how uh, carers navigated the fact that there are certain websites that are saying similar things, not necessarily exactly the same things, but there does seem to be a lot um, that they sort of have to wade through to get to the point in some instances. I think that's um, definitely true. And at the end of the focus groups, one of the questions we'd ask is, you know, what sort of site would you like to see developed? Uh, you know, if you could have any website. And lots of carers said they kind of wished there was a really simplistic starting point in a way. Um, there, there are loads of websites out there that do complex things, but unless you know exactly what you're looking for, you you don't really know how to find it. So some of it is about, I think, um, scaling back and um, new websites, particularly uh, thinking about new carers. So they, you know, they maybe won't know that they're eligible for benefits. They wouldn't know to go looking for that section. So a kind of really, really simplistic um, I think someone called it, they'd like a website called I've just become a carer, what do I do now kind of thing. Yes. And then equally, um, 
th there is a danger of having the same information in too many different places. So I think um, collaboration is really key. I think if if an organization wants to start a website, they should probably have a look first to see what already exists and maybe who they can partner with and, and how we can kind of try to make, you know, the internet so complex, which is what's fantastic about it, but also, you know, we need to try to make things as simplistic and easy as possible. I mean, to an extent, we are talking about some of the in, in inevitable pitfalls of, of the internet in, in so many environments. But, but um, what I did find also intriguing was how the chat room type facility is something that is so beneficial for, for carers as well, because that was something that came out. Uh, I, I think that really struck a call with myself and Ron, who also runs the radio here, that we were sort of thinking, gosh, we have found that the, that the chat room is something that we can almost sort of see it sort of sweeping the, the carers' um, involvement in, you know, they kind of get swept away with it. We find out a lot more about what's going on with them through the chat rooms. And, and that's kind of what was was also in, in, in the report, that the benefit of, of chat rooms and kind of building a community for carers as well. I think um, there, I mean, there's many sort of offline services as well that will tell you, you know, how important it is um, for carers to interact with other carers. And obviously the, the internet gives this possibility for it, you know, to have 24-7 access um, to other people. So there were lots of carers saying it was, you know, amazing to them any time of day or night they could go on and find someone who would actually understand what it was they were going through. So I think... Um, they are hugely useful. I guess, like with any other website, there are some, you know, considerations. You can't just sort of decide to start a chat room and, and just <laughs> launch the website and, and not really think it through. There are some issues, you know, whether you want to have moderation, whether you want to have it be completely anonymous or you want to have people um, sign in. So the report kind of looks at all of those um, challenges and benefits. But certainly um, we did hear from a lot of carers who said that, that forums and chat rooms were incredibly important to them. Yes, you know, and I could see that very much in in the report. Um, it it seems to me that looking looking at the general the most general findings because we will have a link obviously on our website to this report, and we are going to encourage our listeners to make comments and tell us what they think about the report and you know where there's a, what strikes a chord with them. But it it seems to me that the nature of the internet is now kind of actually indispensable for carers from, from, from this report. Probably, I think we probably knew that for most carers, because some carers obviously don't have access to online facilities, but the, the, but those that do, it is becoming indispensable, but kind of like where, where next really from, from these findings, Gigi, do you think it's kind of going to go? Because it, it does seem that it's, it's slightly, disorganized in many respects like the internet itself and and i'm just wondering what we can take out of this for the future for online services for carers well i think it's probably two things i mean one um the fact that you something that you mentioned which is not everyone's online and obviously um there needs to be a big push to get as many carers as possible online, um, particularly as it seems increasingly there are more services available online and certain things I have a feeling in the future will, you know, stop being available offline. They'll only be available online. So we need yeah. to make sure that um, the carers who don't use the Internet don't get sort of missed out of that. So I think there's a lot of work to be done around digital exclusion and just getting more people online generally. 
And I think um, the other side of it, and, and this is probably the starting point um, in the process, which is um, I think people need to, to think through a bit more. I mean, the Internet, it's not the solution for everything. It's, um, I think, a way to add another option, potentially reach more carers. But um, the, the sort of flip side, the danger of it is that um, if everything moves online, then people miss out on interacting face-to-face and they have fewer choices. So what I would like to see happen, and I think what we found through this research, is the Internet's a really good way of increasing the choices that carers have rather than decreasing them. And in order to make that happen, I think um, sort of at the local level, there has to be consultation and there has to be people working together and finding out what's already, you know, what websites are already there and where the gaps are and then trying to fill those in a way that best meets the needs of local carers. I mean, what's what's interesting for me is that it's kind of uh, it's kind of split it two ways. So there's the issue of digital exclusion. So making sure that people are kind of feeling that they are um, either getting more people involved and 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 uh, digitally articulate, if you like, um, and also not assuming that everybody is involved, but also knowing that 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 it's just not the solution to everything. That there has to be another way of looking at that, at looking at how digital services are operated. I, I remember listening to a, a fantastic um, um, interview once which highlighted this. There was a reporter talking to somebody saying, and how do people get involved? And the person said, well, we'll get in touch with us on the website, www. And then the reporter said, well, what about those people that don't have in, uh, don't have internet? And they said, well, no, that's fine. All they've got to do is go to www.internet. And it was... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no, no, no. They need a telephone number, and 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 I think that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? That there cannot be this assumption that everybody, you know, get as many as we can involved, but still be aware that not everybody has internet, and then make everything a little bit more simpler for those on the internet, and sort of cut out a, a, a lot of the duplication, and 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 think about individual needs. Um, I have to say, Gigi, this is this is a really interesting report, and even though there's a lot of sort of statistics in this, I would really encourage our, our listeners who I know are so busy but if you have a moment even if to just have a look at the executive summary what I think is really good about it is that that listeners will know that however they're using the internet they are not on their own there are a lot of people who have the same issues and the same problems because I think one can feel it as a carer really isolated and that you're on your own and you'll realize that that there is there is a real sort of echo and similarity going on throughout these results. So so thank you very much for bringing that to to everybody's attention in the caring world, Gigi. It, it's a really um, good and, and and comprehensive report. Well, thank you so much for your help in getting the word out and getting carers to actually answer our survey. Um, it, it really helped to get lots of different views. And what we've tried to do in the report is actually share the the actual words of carers. So there's lots and lots of quotes. So it's not just pronouncements from on high. It's actually um, written in the words of carers themselves so that actually their views are, are out there and, and what's being acted upon. Yes, and it's very readable. So so, so thank you so much for that. And as I said to, to, you know, to our listeners, um, I know your time is exceedingly limited, but even if you just sort of want to skim read it, I would actually go to the body of the report because Carers World Radio gets a mention, so we're very proud of that. So thank you, Gigi, for all your time, and uh, we may talk to you again in the future. Great. Thanks a lot. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this programme. And don't forget, if you want to get more involved in Carers World Radio, you can by emailing us at production at carersworldradio.com. That's production at carersworldradio.com. 
take a little time to listen to and download our podcasts. And we welcome any feedback from you regarding our program at our normal email address. For example, please do tell us what you think about the survey about carers and the internet. Now, don't forget, also you can Twitter and Facebook us too. We'd love to hear from you. So until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>